Hello, I'm the Professor, and today I've got DJ Fly High and Bucky again for another week of the Nerds Amalgamated Podcast Top Shelf Nerds. This week we're talking about Boston Dynamics and robotic cars, SpaceX and Elon Musk, Bill Gates' opinion on regulation, Firefly coming back, loot box bans, Disney's involvement with the Star Wars gaming IP, a Tom Hanks movie, and Gavin Freeze break-in. So we start off with the Boston Dynamics and Robot Cars. DJ, I think you were the one who brought those topics to the table. What have you got to say about them? Yeah, yeah. well, um, Boston Dynamics recently came up with an article, um, came with a video about how um, one of their big robots, um, Spot Mini, um, opened the door with its claw mount, and it's still trending on YouTube at number five, and... It was very, very interesting. To, very interesting to see how a robot can finally open the door, <laughs> and everyone's frightened of it because they think, "Oh, this is the start of a robot apocalypse." So, but can I just that... point out, robots have been opening doors for decades. <laughs> have you ever been to a supermarket? Oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> but unfortunately, a majority of the population seems to have trouble with the idea of what a robot is. Hey, professor, hmm. um, yeah, most people don't actually understand that a robot is a robotic mechanical device. So, yeah, your automatic doors, your escalators are all robots. And the elevators as well. And DJ's a robot. <laughs> mm. Hopefully we'll fix them this week, though. <laughs> hey, my voice sounds fine. That's up for debate. <laughs> yes. But, but yes. So oh. any, anything stupid groundbreaking with this um, Boston Robotics robot? Well, the groundbreaking part is how it's it's just it's nim- like uh, the footage, like it said in the footage, a four-legged spot mini robot unveiled in November last year used a claw mount on its head on its head to reach out and deftly manipulate the handle to open the, and op- and hold the door, keeping its, the door open for its fellow robot. And that's just cool. I mean, you nip. So it opened the door, but it didn't walk it through. It didn't walk through. It just, hold the, it just held the door. So doormen all over the world are now out of a job. Uh-huh. I, I was just thinking we should call Another victim of automation. We should call, we should call this spot mini Hodor. You know, just, just yeah. The silence was deafening there, <laughs> DJ. So that just says a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm, a hor- I'm a horrible joker. <laughs> well, mate, that was worse than dad jokes, and I love dad jokes. <laughs> but this, but this is a, but people are now saying, oh, this will be a hostile take. Possible future hostile takeover. So, do you reckon this is kind of like? You reckon this is kind of scary in a sense? No. Um, people are always going to whinge and complain and say, "Oh, this is the end of the world." Every advancement in technologies they have for the last seventy-five thousand years. At one point, their case best best one is um, Galileo saying the earth revolved around the sun and that it wasn't flat. 
he was excommunicated and locked up by the Roman Catholic Church. So, yeah, I'm sorry, but people generally don't react to change too well. And it's, it's not like there's going to be a robot uprising anyway. Nah, nah. Unless not even close to the level of AI we need to do that. Mm. And if there is, I'm Team Robot. <laughs> yes, do you know Roko's Basilisk? Um, refresh my memory. It's a concept that a guy named Roko came up with, obviously, mm-hmm. where an AI created by a group of people would then proceed to torture and kill everyone who didn't work directly to help bring about its creation. Okay. And the idea behind it is that if you know what Roko's Basilisk is and you're not working to create it, it will hunt you down and kill you when someone else does create it. Okay. But doesn't it violate Asimov's laws, though? Asimov's laws are a human thing. You need to actually Mm. program them into the robot. And the robot has to then maintain and actually agree to behave by those laws. So if you have a robot that builds another robot, it doesn't necessarily need to implant those Asimov's laws in there. Okay. That's interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, this is, is this, uh, but this is a very good um, step in robotics. Would, wouldn't you agree, fellas? Well, it's always like every advancement is always good. Yeah. Um, talking about an advancement in robotics, we're a step closer to having self-driving vehicles, not for carrying passengers. This is actually there's talk. Look at um. A self-driving delivery vehicle and customizable for everything from your grocery shopping through to the dry cleaning or even um, I was looking at an article it said something about Ford delivering for Amazon and even Craigslist I think it said here it is uh, Nero is ignoring humans together and steering for Amazon United States parcel and any Retailer looking to build its e-commerce business. Yeah, you, you, that's UPS by for anyone else. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's actually an interesting concept. It's a narrower vehicle than the normal um, car, so to avoid accidents, etc., it doesn't necessarily even need to actually change lanes it can it can still stay within the same lane so yeah it looks i wonder if you could end up with a convoy of them forming up and taking up the same space as just one car having (sighs) say four of them together in the space of one car i think it's almost to break off to sorry i think it's almost the same length as a normal car it's just narrower so it um the delivery pod weighs 1500 pounds and it's actually operating on an electric motor, so the environmentalists will be quite happy, and mm-hmm. all the all, all the nerds would love that because it's it's literally it's going to be it's closer to the delivery vehicle you'll get from the Jetsons. It just looks like it looks like a giant suitcase on wheels, including and I've just confirmed that 
that 680 kilograms for those of us using an intelligent measuring system. <laughs> yes. Although, although, to be honest with you, it looks like, you know those Google Street cars that we, that I don't know whether we see them every now and then, but it just looks like it. Would you agree? No. Mounted on top? no, it doesn't look anything like that. It looks like a suitcase on wheels. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what picture you're looking at there, DJ, but um, we need to clean your cameras and so forth off so that you can actually <laughs> interpret data correctly. It's a very <laughs> different design. Hmm. Um, yeah. Um, Neuro is a small startup. That's. I think they're looking around. I did see somewhere they'd look at um, ninety-two million dollars of venture capital. Um, is for their startup, and they're apparently trailing General Motors and Tesla and others. But as far as the self-driving vehicles, all that sort of stuff is concerned. But because it doesn't have to put up with people as a passenger, etc. It's not as much of a problem. It's able to just drive along. doesn't have to put up with someone whinging about, oh, I don't like the fact that I haven't got enough leg room and all that sort of nonsense. Yeah. Well, the competition for driverless car, driverless delivery cars is pretty extensive from what I can see. Yeah, but a lot of the other ve- vehicles and so forth that are involved in the rest of it, they're all carrying passengers. This is purely and utterly, it's just carrying the product on its own. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it isn't having to accommodate people means it can be narrower. It's just purely and utterly designed to carry goods and the customization means it can carry everything from your groceries, as I said before, through to your dry cleaning or whatever packages um, up to being able to use by the UPS. So, yeah. Yeah, because I'm reading the – I guess they're saying, according to the article, that um, Neuro isn't the first company to notice Amazon Prime packages piling up on porches. Ford Motor Co. began testing human-free pizza delivery with Domino's. Mm-hmm. Toyota is pull it, rolling out a delivery vehicle this month, dubbed ePallet. The, the futuristic van already had a partnership with Amazon.com and Pizza Hut. Uh, Renault Nissan uh, plans to mm-hmm. unveil a driverless f- delivery van in September. Udelve Incorporated, a self-driving startup, is testing an autonomous delivery vehicle in California this month. Uh, yeah, there's, as I said, like, there's there's a lot of them out there, but yeah, I I just like the the look of the new row. It just looks like a giant yeah. suitcase on wheels. Yeah. It's a small company. It's not someone that's already got a huge market share and it's purely on an electric motor. Yeah. So great. It's just a little delivery pod. Yeah. I think Um, that is obviously what they're designing it for, but I think it'll be, it's the optimum design for that out of all the self-driving cars I've seen so far. Yeah. 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 What I will be interested to see though, will be how they handle theft because Uh, what's going to stop someone from taking somebody uh, else's gear? Yeah. I was curious about that myself. Um, it'll probably, like, there'll probably be something like, um, it'll be like a compartment area 
and you just have to type it. You'll get a special code that'll be sent to you. Like, um, you know, when you have an issue with your um, Google account or something yeah. else, and they send you a text message with a code to unlock it. Um, mm-hmm. It'll probably just be something like that. You'll get a text message or an email with a five or six digit code, and you have to, and that'll come to you when it actually arrives for you to do the delivery. And you type in the code and unlock the compartment, take your goods and shut it. Um, as far as any other theft device goes, it'd obviously be tracking and cameras, etc., recording everyone approaching the vehicle. Um, looking at the picture, there's cameras and sensors on the side and everywhere. So, yeah, if you're going to go steal something from someone, um, probably be easier to steal something that's not covered in cameras. The one thing I'm also going to wonder, like, let's say if it gets missing for more than a couple of days, I wonder if the vehicle will just launch, like, a distress beacon or stuff. I highly doubt that. I think it'll be programmed like a, a Roomba, where if it gets below a certain power percentage, it, yeah, in military terms, that's bingo fuel. Yep. It returns the base to refuel. Mm-hmm. In this case, plug itself in. I doubt they would design a car that wouldn't have a bingo fuel feature. And given the fact that it's actually operating on an electric system for an engine, um, just looking at the general shape of it, um, they do have the doors opening up and opening up through the roof area. They could probably change that so that it's a scroll door. And instead of having the door opening up and the roof itself opening as well, um, have the scroll door like a garage door scrolling up and then just have solar panels on the roof as well. So while it's driving around, it's actually able to recharge itself. I'm not sure that would be worth the effort because the problem with solar-powered cars is that you just don't have the roof space to get an appreciable amount of charge out of it. Yeah, but the solar, pa- solar power is increasing with ridiculously but every year um the stuff that we actually have available now like that you put onto the roof of your house for solar powered um operation is actually not the best gear you can get that we're about five or six generations behind because vendors have purchased stock and they, they want to sell that before they move on to the next item so yeah. Like, as far as the technology available is concerned, um, like, they have the cars that do the race from um, down through the centre of Australia and so forth. Yeah. And some of those cars are hitting 150 kilometres an hour as a top speed. And Yeah, those cars are pretty insane. And the size of the solar air area is actually getting smaller where it used to be like this massive wing that would take up two lanes of a highway it's actually getting down to basically the same size as a normal car and carrying a passenger so the solar the solar recharge thing is just more of a it's already charged up before it goes out and having the solar recharging is just trying to keep the power up while it's driving around to reduce impact on the battery so it's maintaining its level for longer. 
Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. It'd be good. It's a good venture. It's a good. It's a good um step in the right direction to to steer away from petrol. Petrol yep. fuels. And yeah. But then no, again, no, oh. no, sorry. Um, just thinking, moving along because. Yeah, we've got the SpaceX satellite launch. Um, Another one. Yeah, this weekend is the launch of the test satellites for SpaceX's internet, satellite internet service. Yeah, so this is actually a satellite, um, DJ. This isn't actually a car with a mannequin in it and a camera. That wasn't a mannequin. That was James Bond. (laughs) I didn't want to blow his cover. I thought it I thought was, it was Elon's evil plan. Now there's no one to stop him from taking over the world. <laughs> I thought it was the Stig. I thought it was the Stig that was driving the car. Dang. <laughs> yeah, we tried to get you a ticket into that one, DJ, but yeah, unfortunately we missed out. <laughs> Anyways, fellas, so this satellite, this satellite launch is going to be... It's going to be an interesting launch, seeing how, with all the um, F- with with all the um, FC with all the um, FCC internet regulations that's going through lately. Mm-hmm. But Elon's moving things along so that he's pushing outside the norm and the constrictions that everyone else is operating by, and reducing costs. And creating something that's a bit more effective. I, I know this may sound. I, I know this this may sound a bit. Um, this might sound like a big call, but could you say Elon Musk is this generation's Steve Jobs at this point? No, he's better than Steve Jobs. Yeah, I would. I would say more. He, he's he's the next Bill Gates. I wouldn't insult him by comparing him to Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs was a Waste of humanity. <laughs> oh, that's going to cheese off a lot of Apple users, my friend. <laughs> um, yes, um, and tough luck. Um, the reality is that Steve Jobs was fired by his own company because he was such a painful, arrogant, ignorant human being. Um, takes it takes a lot to have your own people sack you when you own the company. Fair enough. And the Fair people who, people who all worked for him all said he was a perfectionist and blah 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 to be nice and everything. But the reality is he he was an absolute scumbag. That's true. That's true. And he also didn't have. His work spread out nearly as much as Bill Gates does. He made a phone. Bill Gates has built the biggest computing company on earth. Mm-hmm. He's gone on to found organizations to eliminate polio, malaria, spread literacy, basically everything. Mm-hmm. He's done a lot of philanthrop- philanthropic work, basically. Yeah, so I'd, I reckon Steve Jobs is nowhere near the level of Bill Gates and Elon Musk because. Mm-hmm. He just hasn't done the amount of work to improve people's lives that they have. Yeah. And but you gotta remember another thing there is Steve Jobs was 
one of the founding guys involved in Apple for the computer. He didn't design anything in the iPod, the iPhone, the iPad, any of that. He had other people designing it, and then he just insulted it and critiqued it to try and make, tell them to make it smaller and sexier and this and that. Um, so, yeah, whereas Bill Gates was always hands-on with Windows and all the products that operate came out from Microsoft um, to some degree. He would he always went and paid attention to what people were doing, and he did it did it with class. Every, everyone likes Bill Gates. Like they, there was one point back in the nineties where people were referring to Bill Gates as the Antichrist and so forth. That's just because of the fact that he was richer than anyone else on the planet and <laughs> and told the American government to go jump when they started trying to hassle him. <laughs> but, yeah, majority majority of the population refers to him as Uncle Bill because he is such a great person. And he's, his wife, um, a lot of the philanthropic work that we're talking about, his wife actually runs the foundation because she wanted something to do. And she wanted, and Bill said, well, look, okay, you want to do it? I've got this money. You go do it and let me know how I can help. So, yeah. Looted off track so, there with that. Sorry, folks. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, the, uh, yes. this satellite network that they're putting up is known as Starlink. And it's going to cost them $10 billion to get all the satellites into orbit. By- by 2024, mm-hmm. but the profit from it, the revenue is going to go towards Mars habitation. Yeah. 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 I'm going to put a quote from Elon Musk here. This is intended to generate a significant amount of revenue and help fund a city on Mars. Awesome. I want to be a Martian. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that Mars One thing from a few years back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what happened to them. I don't think anything did happen. But if Elon does something like that, I'm probably going to sign up. Well, um, we'll be, okay, here's a question for you guys. If you ever stepped, what would be the first words you will ever say when you land on Mars? Bazinga. <laughs> uh, just, That's it. Just, just out of respect for the character of Sheldon, because to be a nerd that would love that and would laugh. <laughs> How about you, Professor? I don't know. Professor? Hmm. Hmm. I'd probably blow up the, lo- the landing pad and run around screaming about people who can't come and harass me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm finally on my own. <laughs> I wouldn't blow up the landing pad. I'd just, I, I, well, at least not until after unloaded all the supplies and everything else that I want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the food's kind of important. Yeah, <laughs> and the oxygen gen- and the oxygen tanks. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, and someone actually asked me about whether I thought this um, satellite network we need to be concerned because it was sounding similar to the scenario in the original Kingsman movie. Um, 
yeah, the person who suggested that deserves a bit of a slap. Um, but obviously, no, it's not going to be a free network, etc., because he's trying to raise money to get to Mars so he can get away from idiotic questions. After all, if you control the oxygen, you can control who speaks. But, uh, by the <laughs> way, with the, with... the episode. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, with this, uh, with with this, um, in, with this money that's helping to fund the city on Mars, it, but it's only, isn't it, for the um, first few hundred that's going to Mars though, and not for the general populace who are going to go to Mars eventually. No, Mars One was about signing up to be given the chance to be in the crew to go to Mars. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk hasn't told us much about how he's going to do it yet, as far as I know. Yeah, and you've still got to have at least one city there before you start bringing over the rest of the general population. Yeah, yeah like I've brought up the uh, Mars One uh, schedule here. Looks like they're planning on having their first flight in 2022, but their first mm-hmm. crewed flight in 2031. So they're going to spend nine years deploying equipment to Mars so that they can have a city functional by the time people need to mm-hmm. go there. Because if something goes yeah. wrong on Mars, you're not going to get to come back. And it's a long way for the RECQ to come and help fix you <laughs> if you've got a breakdown. <laughs> you don't want to get a flat tire on Mars, people. <laughs> um, in other news about Elon Musk, though, he was look- have- he's having trouble um, getting his factories opened in China. So, yeah, China, for those who are unaware, have a government um, legislation that states that if you wish to operate and own a factory in China manufacturing stuff, you have to have a local partner involved. And Elon Musk has refused to take on a partner because he wants to maintain the quality and integrity of his product. And so he's having trouble with being given permission to actually um, operate. So at the present point, the price of his car in China is exorbitant, but everyone wants one. They just can't afford it. China also has a big thing about green energy because they're trying to offset some of the impact that having a billion people yes. in a developing country is having on the environment. Yeah, but um, yeah. They, 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 they're offering huge amounts of Government incentives yeah. to offset the cost of manufacturing, etc. Um, but it's just the fact that because of everything that they're saying, you have to have a local partner involved in the manufacturing. And that just opens up questions of theft of um, design and so forth. So like copyright issues such as? Yeah, well, you, you find there's a lot of things that get manufactured in China and suddenly you have knockoffs appearing all around the place. Um, yeah, like at the moment... Um, the Tesla Model X 
made within the US, shipped to China, prices at about 835,000 yuan, which is 132,000 US. Um, whereas there's the alternatives are from BAIC Motor Corporation and the Warren Buffett-backed bid companies. And startups by Neo and and IO and Python. Um, Like, there's a lot of talk about it. And one of the most interesting comments, I'm just scanning through the article here, I was looking at just a bit earlier, was a lady in China had just bought herself an electric car. And uh, where is it? Crikey, Um, She was saying she spent, um, I think it was 150,000 yuan or something like that to buy a car. And Uh, it's mentioned in the article we're going to have in the show notes here. A Tesla Model X made in the US and shipped to China costs 835,000 yuan. Yeah. Which is equivalent to 132,000 presumably American dollars. Yeah, no, but there was, a, there was a comment I was in one of the articles I was reading about this where a lady, a lady in China had just recently bought herself an um, electric car and she, and she said the price and it was like 150,000 yuan and she would love to have bought the Tesla instead, but unfortunately it's too expensive and the price would have to come down to 350,000 yuan for her to be able to afford it. Oh, I found it. I think I found it. It's uh, say it's the article starts from buyers say that the beneficent handouts are working. Lily Li, a 36 year old uh, workplace employee from Shanghai, purchased a BJEV automotive despite the fact that it's driving very falls in in need of Tesla o- automotives. Lee paid lower than 100,000 yuan for the EV160 mannequin after incentives. Uh, she goes on to say, quote, I'm very into Tesla for its battery applied sciences. However, I can solely afford a Tesla if its worth falls under 300,000 yuan, Lee stated. It will take years earlier than that occurs. Uh, so I need to make uh, do with a home EV. Uh, there you go. So yeah, like pe- people in China want the Tesla. Yeah. yeah, but it's just yeah, the price is just a little bit too expensive for them at the present time. Because it's not only the brand that's popular; it's also like their quality of service and yeah, and that, and, and their parts as well. And hence the reason why Elon's wanting to retain complete control of everything because it's his product. He wants it to make maintain that level of quality and he's just saying look no like i don't want to risk the quality of my product so yeah at present um he's not really discussing it too much more at the moment but he is wanting to go ahead with it if he can so he does so in the end so basically he doesn't want government intervention into this well it's not so much project it's not so much the government intervention Mentioned, it's more he just doesn't want he wants to be able to operate in China without having to have a local partner, yeah, 
having ownership over it and therefore interfering in the quality, etc. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. So, like, he, he, he wants to build a factory there. He wants to employ people to manufacture the car there. It's just he wants it to be his so that he can retain the quality, etc. is what it seems. So. Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting is that we have the same in- issue in game development. You can't release a game, and I believe it goes through other entertainment like movies, which is why you see a lot of movies set in China or with Chinese elements. Unless mm-hmm. to release a game in China these days, you need to partner with a Chinese company. And if you don't, then Chinese companies will just rip off your game and there's nothing you can do to stop them. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's happening with um, PUBG. Yeah, or well, even um, some guys I know made a, a mobile game. And when they published it a week or two later, it turned up on the Chinese app store exactly the same. Nothing changed. Just they weren't getting money from it because it was ripped off. Yeah, not, not even for royalties. No, because no Chinese, Chinese ripped them off, and there was no way for them to get back at the Chinese company because China and Chinese oh, copyright right. laws are pretty ridiculous. Hmm. But go steal their heritage items from them, and they they want you to give it back for free. <laughs> uh, that's chi- uh, that's government ridiculous in oh. the opposite direction than American copyright, though, which has been yeah. pushed back yeah. by Disney so far that. It's basically every time it gets close to Mickey Mouse becoming public domain, Disney goes and lobbies for it to be pushed back another 10 or 20 years. So we're now Although up to the last time something went public domain in the US is 1913, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but a funny, funny side story on the Disney issue there. They sue Dead Mouse over his um, trademark mouse logo because it looked too much like Mickey Mouse. Oh, you mean Dead Mouse 5? Yeah. Yeah. Dead Mouse. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, they sued him over that and won. But they had actually used his music in one of their movies or something. I can't remember all the details. I should probably Google it. Um, But, he, yeah, he turned around and he sued them for breach of copyright because he hadn't given them permission (laughs) And sued them for two or three times as much as what they had sued him, and won. So I was kind of like, okay, you're suing me for five dollars, I'll sue dollars, sort of thing. And yeah, no one liked Disney's attitude for a lot of stuff, and they were in clear breach of the same law that they kept using to try and destroy everyone else. A second, um, we have more on Disney in a minute, but. Next, let's talk about Bill Gates and his opinion on regulation. Okay. Um, yes, Bill Gates is turning around and saying that a lot of the big tech companies aren't worried enough about sorry for interview. Ah, uh, sorry. Um. Yeah, Bill Gates was recently being interviewed and he's saying that the big tech companies aren't worried enough about government regulation and he's calling out Apple and other tech giants and arguing that the companies are inviting government intervention by flaunting hubris 
And they need to be careful that they're not trying to think their view is more important than the government's view or than the government being able to function in some areas. And like one of the main arguments here that he presented was in response to the FBI asking Apple to help them get access to a mobile phone involved in a criminal activity. Apple refused, saying that they weren't going to be introducing a backdoor for the FBI to access all mobile phones. But the reality is that it was only about one mobile phone and that FBI ultimately broke into it anyway. Um, yeah, the Sam, it was connected to the, the phone was connected to the San Bernardino shooting in 2015. Yeah. And um, yeah, Apple was trying to blow it up as, as a massive issue of breaching privacy. privacy. Yeah. And the FBI was only wanting to get access to that one phone in relation to that incident. Um, and if we really want to turn around and go and attack Apple about that sort of thing, there were antitrust issues that they got taken court over where they were tracking people's movement through the GPS chip and strategically sending them advertising and actually selling that information to, pe to marketing companies as part of the marketing ploy. Mm. So it does cause for it, it does con, it's it's very discerning that uh, here with Apple's um hubris. Yeah. It's it's it it it, is, it it paints a picture of these tech companies that they're above the law in a sense where okay, screw screw the consumers, we just want their money in a sense. But it's it's also that um, a lot of them are saying uh, uh, exhibiting an attitude of they're they're above the government, and the government is powerless to impede them and stop them, and that sort of thing. Where Gates is saying he's he needs he thinks that um, there needs to be a balance between government being able to access things at a necessary time in an appropriate manner, which they already, they're already allowed to do already through um, obtaining a warrant. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, nobody oh. wants to admit that. Yeah, yeah. even I reckon even, even if the, gov um, the governments give out subpoenas and, um, and Senate... Uh, and Senate um, Hearing uh, um, appearances, the tech companies will go, nah, nah, nah. We won't let you, nah. Screw you guys. We, we, we're, we're much more powerful than you guys. Um, we well, there money. was a similar matter with to that with Google. Actually, got fined for antitrust with the advertising in Europe. Um, I'm just looking it up at the moment. Um, they were fined by the European Commission. Mm -hmm. and they just flat out refused. Um, Antitrust Commission finds Google $2.42 billion for a breach of antitrust because of the way it was doing its advertising, and they refused to pay it. And, yeah, the European Commission turned around and imposed a 
interesting where it was going to be for every day that they didn't actually pay the money, they were going to be charged so many hundreds of thousands of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars per day. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. You see that a lot recently. The EU has a much stricter regulation on tech companies than the US. Yes. So, like, uh, the UK, I believe, has right to be forgotten legisl- legislation, mm-hmm. which is a law that says that there needs to be a process to go through to get results removed from Google where those results would have a negative impact on a person's life. Mm-hmm. Um, in, an interesting thing um, is there's a alternative to Google in oh, crikey, sorry, I'm just trying to remember the name of the town here, um, or some of the some of the Eastern European cities. Um, Are you thinking Yandex? I'm not sure. I don't think it's Yandex. It's one of the cities yeah. that have actually got an alternative to Google and Google Maps and so forth. And it's all local operation, and they actually have advertising specific to the city, and it's only um, so many cities that are involved. Um, uh, life of me, I can't remember the name of the city at the moment, though. I was watching something about it was, um, a couple of years ago now. Um, I don't think it was... That sounds really interesting. Budapest. Um, and yeah, I think it was Budapest from memory and yeah, it was all, we lost you again. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, it was a local company and it's all designed to operate in a manner that represents the, the local people local businesses and infrastructure. So when you look at things such as the um, walking trails and local entertainment, it actually had specific things. And they actually had, similar to Google's street cam, they had had people who actually went out and walked the walking trails and bush there and forest walks and so forth, um, which totally defeated um, Google, because Google was treating everyone over there as second. And, yeah. It's, like I said, it's still, it's still scary. It still paints a picture that the tech companies are just above the law and they can't, and governments are just too powerless to do anything about it. Well, they think they are. Um... Bill Gates says here that it's not that the governments are powerless. It's that they just haven't gone and put it into law yet. Yeah. It's because Bill Gates says here, there's no question of ability. It's the question of willingness. Yeah. So if we keep seeing cases like this, eventually the government will go and make it a law, but they just haven't gotten around to it yet. A lot of legislation is a decade or two behind the times. There's a lot of computer-related law that needs to be put into place and just hasn't yet. And with a lot of this behaviour, instead of it being moderate in an approach, it's Bill Gates is saying that it's going to be, okay, instead of working with you, we're just going to 
chop you off at the knees, chop you off at the elbows, and kick you in the jaws and take over. Do you, uh, this, may sound, this may sound like a bit of a stupid question, but do you reckon the FCC's recent rulings were part of like government intervention into, the com- into these companies? No, because that's anti-government intervention if you're talking about the net neutrality thing. What yeah. happened there was that companies... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Got people they wanted into the FCC, so that when the FCC held a vote on net neutrality, they could get it repealed. Because net neutrality is bad for the individual company, but good overall for the economy and for Mm -hmm. the people. But the big companies don't want any competition, so they repealed net neutrality to make it harder for small companies to rise up and compete with them. Hmm. And on the antitrust and so forth stuff, um, another side note there is with the Australian government incorporating a law where all the um, different internet providers have to retain all the data and metadata of all your operations online. Victoria back when this has been discussed, I think it was almost six years ago, the Governor-General actually threatened to take the federal government to court for breach of privacy because it was unconstitutional in what they were saying. So, yeah, I noticed it was after that Victorian government was no longer around that the federal government finally decided to move further. Yeah. I think I remember there was during the terror. This was during this was during the ter- the war on terror situations. Well, it was also, uh, but it was also with the piracy sort of stuff, and so uh, yeah. um, with the um, was it the Pirate Bay? Was it? Um, yeah, yeah. There was a lot a lot of it to do with stuff like that. Um, that was the thing that the government finally used to help push it through, but. And that and that was that was purely and utterly the only reason why, because as far as access to data for anti-terrorism situations, the government already has access. They can contact yeah. a judge who can issue a warrant which allows them access to all the data, and the police can actually have have actually got someone who actually works closely with a judge to do that whenever it's needed in an emergency situation. The laws are there for them to do it. So it was purely and utterly aimed at the piracy. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, but this government intervention, I think it's a wait, a wait-and-see approach, in my opinion, on this, on this matter. Well, if Bill, Bill Gates is coming out and saying these guys need to sit back and think about what they're doing, it's an issue that I think that does warrant someone to actually start paying attention because 
you don't get to go from being a college dropout to in, working in your father's garage and start up in your own company to being one of the world's richest men with a company that employs massive sections of the population and has a budget that's greater than pretty much any government on the planet. That's true. That's true. Like he, he, he got angry at the American government at one point and threatened to move Microsoft from the U S to Australia. The, impact on the American economy would have been so great that the American government actually shut up and left him alone for a decade. Well, Hollywood, oh, well, put it this way, Hollywood could could have um, compensated that loss. No, because a lot of Hollywood stuff would stop working if they went against Microsoft. Fair enough. That's, that's true, that's true, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hard to have your computer's generating software that's doing your special effects when all of a sudden your computer's not working. Good point. Good point. And if Microsoft and all of its subsidiaries and so forth all refuse to do business with you, um, yeah, you're going to suck. Oh, yeah. It would, it would suck a lot of people. The, the, the Hollywood would have died by and- Apple computer just doesn't have the power to compete. Sorry. You're in a salty mood for Apple. You really hate Apple, don't you? I don't hate Apple. I just have a very healthy dislike and a very realistic attitude of Apple sucks. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry, but... Salty. (laughs) Apple was a a company that had a computer operating on 8-bit and then 16-bit when Microsoft was operating on 32-bit and 64-bit. So on pure computing power, the IBM Compat system works miles beyond. And the only reason why Apple is actually still in existence was Bill Gates turned around and expanded Microsoft etc so that it was able to operate on the apple systems so yes yeah, part of the um, issues uh microsoft had to bail out apple because of the antitrust laws and monopoly laws so yeah, um, yeah. like if it if it wasn't for microsoft apple would no longer be ex- in existence so everyone please take a moment to go down on one knee and say all oh, hail lord Uncle Bill. Oh, <laughs> hail Uncle Bill. Oh, hail the Uncle Bill. <laughs> like, seriously, if there's anyone in on the planet who has any potential to be able to claim the title of world dictator, Bill Gates, you're the man. <laughs> oh, that, that, that. Is... <laughs> All right, moving along, <laughs> moving along. Yep. Our next topic tonight is Firefly coming back, but not on TV, unfortunately. Boo. Boo. DJ hasn't seen Firefly, and we know he's a bad person for this, but (laughs) a bad robot for this. (laughs) Which is also bad robot. Is that just Sweden's um, company? Yes. Yeah, it is his company. It's a production company, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, the um, Titan Books 
has got Joss Whedon on as a consulting editor for a series of free Firefly books that will be coming out over the next 12 months. Yay. Uh, actually, no, a bit longer than that, the next 18 months. The first book is going wow. to come out in October this year, and the third book will come out in October next year. Awesome. There's three books. The first book is about Captain Mal being kidnapped by embittered brown coats in Big Damn Hero, which comes out in October. Uh, Firefly the Magnificent Nine, which is about Jane getting a distress call and going to a desert moon to assist them. Which I reckon mm-hmm. that book, like there's some debate over where these books are going to be set, but I reckon that at least The Magnificent Nine is going to be set before the movie. Because in the movie, spoilers for a 10, 12 year old movie, they, uh, in the movie, two characters died. But before that, there were nine crew members. So presumably, The Magnificent Nine are the nine crew members of the Serenity. Mm-hmm. The third book, Firefly Generations, which I'm looking forward to that one because it's about the discovery of a arc ship that carried people from Earth in the last days of Earth that was. I'm looking forward to that one especially because I think it'll probably go into detail about the universe outside of the events of the Firefly show. It'll probably explain how the how the verse came to be and how everyone ended up in all these different planets after Earth that was was lost. So in other words, a world-building book. Yeah, basically. I think should go into detail about that, hopefully. And Fox, you made the biggest mistake cancelling Firefly. Yep. <laughs> how, how dare you expect the population of the planet to be so dumb to be distracted by reality TV instead of great entertainment such as Firefly. Boo. Makes me wonder, is there someone at Fox who had it out for Joss Whedon? Because in the Doctor Who fandom, we have Jennifer Nathan-Turner, who was worked at the BBC in the last years of Doctor Who. And between him and Michael Grade, I believe, who was the programming, uh, the, the BBC controller for the last couple of years of Doctor Who, they, they're widely regarded as the two responsible for getting Doctor Who cancelled in the 80s. So I wonder if there's someone at Fox who had it out for Joss Whedon and got Firefly cancelled because of that. Mm. Um, never really followed that train of thought on it before, never thought about it in that way. Um, I was always a fan of the idea of it was just Fox trying to dumb down the planet with mindless reality TV. <laughs> well, it is Fox, so that wouldn't surprise me. No. Is, is it Fox that's behind stupid shows such as Keeping Up with the Kardashians? And if anyone listening to us is a fan of it, do not do not deserve to call yourself a nerd. I'm sorry. Well, Fox is behind Fox News, which is Donald Trump's favorite news program. And no, no oh, keeping up with the Kardashians is made by E exclamation mark. 
Ah, that's the entertainment network. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah. One of the dumbest shows on the planet. I'm sorry if I've offended anybody, but... <laughs> oh, no, no I, I can think of the, another dumb show. Uh, Real Housewives. Oh, we must have been watching people... that. Oh. But, <laughs> but if, it wasn't, if it wasn't for some porn star who made a porno, well, some some nobody who made a porno then to, to pr- produce her show's popularity out of nowhere. Like, I'm sorry, but Kim Kardashian is not the sexiest woman on the planet. And anyone who's dumb enough to call... done an impressive job turning that into what it is. Ah, oh, but that's just... And into a business. It's, it's all the dumbing down through reality TV. Yeah, I've never been a fan of reality TV, really. So you got to, you got to wonder about the intelligence of people who call their child North with a surname West. Wasn't there a second child the called is... Chicago at one stage as well? I don't pay that much attention to them. The only reason why I know it's Northwest well, that... is because you hear it on the radio. <laughs> and the other the one, problem um... is that it's so cheap to make. Reality TV compared to quality, anything yeah. else, yeah. Because something like keeping off the Kardashians is literally just get a cameraman to follow someone around for a day. Yeah, but but uh, you, 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 if you're the cameraman, wouldn't you want all the sets. if you're if you're the cameraman, wouldn't you want danger money just for being around that family? Like, <laughs> just compensation. Like, the, just the the lack of IQ that you're going to be. Suffering compensation um, for mental trauma. Yeah. <laughs> I need medical funds. <laughs> just, I'm, I'm, I, I just, yeah, I'm sorry. I just can't stand a lot of reality TV. You, you're getting super salty today. You're getting a very salty mood today. First, it was Apple, now it's Kardashian. <laughs> and what, do you, Fox. what do you mean getting in a salty mood? I'm just, I. If it's intelligent, I get excited. If it's stupid and mindless and retarded, I am going to attack it. Um, okay. If you have, a, if any, anyone has a problem with that, then I'm sorry, but that's you're the one with the problem, not me. <laughs> I'm I'm quite happy with myself with the fact that I enjoy things that are intelligent and create an increase in education. Anyway, let's stop offending Kardashian fans and move on to the next topic. Yeah, we've got a lot to discuss in the next few topics. Actually, this is uh, going to be another big one regarding loot boxes in Hawaii and Germany. Which we started to discuss last week before the DJ's wiring shorted out and we had to shoot him and shut him down. (laughs) <laughs> yes But it was so much but fun But we should probably make a brief Because we've been recording for nearly an hour Oh So okay. how fast can you say it Well basically um, Just to make it clear of... I'm not editing this in post This is as fast as he normally speaks <laughs> <laughs> Okay so basically um, A lot of countries have been A lot of countries and US states Have, fi- have decided to um, 
to put a stand on loot boxes. So first is um, Hawaii. Hawaii have started to um, ban- introduce four bills to prohibit the sale of games with loot boxes to anyone under 21 to force publishers to disclose the odds. So basically, Chris Lee, a Democrat senator in Hawaii, has made waves in November after promising a device to, uh, to devise legislation to, that would ban the sale of games with loot boxes to those under 21. Um, going down here, it's basically House Bill 2686 and Senate Bill 2024 to propose to prevent the sale of any games. Uh, that's the, all the um, formal formal um, legislature. Um, whistleblowers have revealed that psychologists are employed to create these mechanisms, he added, the politician added, reiterating that the, there needs to be an authority to force publishers to disclose these, pra- these practices. Um, according to the Hawaii legislative system, proposed bills get assigned to a committee to make adjustments as necessary. The amended version then goes to the vote in the State House and the Senate. The last step to that for the governor to, to for the governor to oppose the bills, uh, should these bills pass, retailers will be required to only sell games that include loot boxes to customers with an ID. Publishers already can't sell mature rated games to anyone under seventeen, but this could decrease the potential market even further for some of these games. Uh, this would also apply to digital stores, the same way the ESRB rating system takes into account a user's a user's age today. Uh, Not that it actually does at the moment, because you can get onto Steam and buy basically any game you want, except for any that were banned in Australia. Yeah, yeah. And, and you don't need to show ID. You don't need to show ID at all. But here's the thing. Um, Germany has also followed suit in banning loot boxes. And an article by Kit Guru, oh, sorry, which basically states... Um, in a recent study, if I can load up, um, we have his first um, first story describing the influence of a new study conducted by the University of Hamburg. According to the paper, Are you just reading the full article. Yeah, ah, uh, kind of. Just you know, he's supposed to summarize it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's sorry, um, folks. His programming is a little bit haywire. <laughs> So it's basically saying it's in the so basically um one of the um one of the German bodies, the Youth Protection Commission, saying that it thinks that it's it's imaginable that these loot boxes violate the ban on gambling for children and minors, and is considering the possibility of an outright ban if no regulations to keep the loot boxes in check. That's Germany's point of view, but recently. Another U.S. state has come come out saying that they want to also um, check out loot boxes and they should be banned as well. And that's New Hampshire. Um, another uh, Democrat has said that have asked the ESRB to review things into loot, box, loot boxes and decide whether or not to use the loot boxes needed to display on the game box. And just to further summarize it, I don't know. And the um, her. Her coming out and stating it was after a letter she received from a constituent. Uh, constituent. 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 I should. Um, English isn't his native language. <laughs> Binary is. Uh, and we wonder about that sometimes as well. So basically, the, le- uh, the letter he- she received was basically saying um, 
The prevalence of in-game microtransactions or as loot boxes raised several, several concerns surrounding the use of psychological principles and enticing mechanisms that closely mirror the, those found in casinos and the games of chance. Uh, the potential for, for harm is real. Uh, recently, the World Health Organization class, classified gaming disorder as a unique condition in its recent draft revision of the 11th um, International Classification of Diseases. Uh, okay, and um, massive fallout with loot boxes is... Um, it's insane. Yeah, EA, EA's Battlefront 2, which has caused all this. Um. There's been a massive backlash from Disney where they they're saying they're not going. Apparently, they're in. They're looking at re, re, refusing the license for EA to produce any Star Wars material. So yeah, there. Which I desperately hope happens because EA has squandered it. Yeah. Oh, and, without I'm it, not without, a Star Wars fan, but they've squandered the uh, the license. Like I, I, I am a Star Wars fan, and I used to be an EA fan, but EA is no longer for the fans and so forth. They have forgotten what made them big, and yeah, like um, an article I'm looking at here. Yeah, did the Disney's all the bad publicity, etc. And Disney has done something like this before. Disney has an attitude of do not mess with our product. Because that's all Disney has to their name. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, 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 they've purchased the Star Wars franchise and paid a lot of money for it. But they've done it. It wasn't just with the Star Wars stuff. They've done it with other things. But Disney really does try to make sure that their customers are happy with how they're getting things. And EA, well, they may not be around in a couple of years' time. So if you're in the market for a defunct computer games company, watch this space. EA may be for sale. <laughs> well, unless if you... Think replaced by my own games company, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's going to be interesting, though, is like after all this government backlash and... Uh... Whatnot that this will significantly decrease EA's value. Like with like for example, as I I read an article recently, a while back saying that fi- the FIFA games, um, online FIFA games are not going to be my t- the my team option won't be available because of the whole loot box and the government intervention. So mm-hmm. it's credibility. It's right now Disney's holding EA into account and just saying, "Oi, what is this?" Well, one of the most interesting facts with this is EA has been struggling to defend itself against charges that Battlefront 2 was designed to be a $60 US game that had the potential to make thousands more in loot crates. And gamers are sick and tired of the fact that you buy a game and then you have to keep spending more and more and more money on it all the time. Um, back when EA and everyone became massively popular, you went and bought a game at the shop, you went home, you played it, and that was it. It was great. 
now you get a game and you've constantly got to get new patches, which is fine because those patches online can make the game so much more fun. But the loot crate where they're charging thousands of dollars, like, you, you, it's just like I know it's only one transaction, but you get people sitting, sitting there playing these games and they're spending $20 a week, $20 a fortnight, whatever, on a loot crate. Over a year, that's $500 or more. Multiply that by 100,000 copies of the game being sold globally. That's, they're just, they're making money and it's just ruining the game. And not only that, but it features the same kind of addiction as gambling. It's built yeah, yeah. around getting you to buy more and more loot boxes and keep trying to get more loot boxes. Mm. And the fact is, the loot box isn't actually a guaranteed item a lot of the time either. It is a gamble. And gambling is classified as an addiction under pretty much every psychological governing body in the world. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's it interesting, is- though. China has had you know, required companies to release the odds for in-game loot boxes for years. Valve had to do that a few years back with CSGO. So I think mm-hmm. it's it's something that the rest of the world is catching up to. And I think that's it's going to be an important step for the games industry. Some of the developers... Sorry, you have... vanished for a second there. Sorry. I'm saying that uh, China has had this as a law where you have to release the odds for years. And I'm hoping and think that it's a, an important step for the games industry to especially for it to be taken seriously. Well, that, that's the thing. Like, um, it's that seri- t- being taken seriously. Like, as we mentioned last week, and I've posted articles on the Facebook page, um, Australia's um, computer game industry a few years back was $3.7 billion. So... Yeah, like we've we've got to expect a certain amount of maturity and liability in how things are being presented. If you're making that much money, we we restrict negative behaviour in every other form throughout every every other aspect of life, with same like music and movies, books have all got censorship and requirements. Um, all other games of chance, etc., have to declare the odds and be governed appropriately. Yeah. But the computer in- game industry is trying to slip through under the crack. Yeah, this I, I reckon this the, the whole loot box fiasco. This is one of those uh, fork in the road moments. Which direction is it going to take? So, is it going to take? Well, an- fans have said that they they don't want it. But it's, companies say they want it, so... Yeah, but money talks and garbage doesn't walk. Um, yeah, so you, you, if the company wants to keep doing it, the fans just won't buy it, and such as what happened to Battlefront 2, projected sales, eh, didn't get anywhere near it, and EA is yep. now, as I said, looking at... They're, they're borderlining on becoming a defunct 
bankrupt company where in a few more years you, you may well be able to buy the EA logo and everything and open up your own company and operate under their banner and because they'll go for less than a cent on the $100 sort of thing. They are crashing. They are hemorrhaging. Mm. So you can listen to your customers who are saying, no, we don't want this. And especially not as badly implemented as Battlefront 2. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like So, okay, let's let's move on. So, if okay. So, if um if EA if so now that Disney has um said like, okay, EA, if you you you, you screwed us over too many times, who who do you reckon there's a there was a report I read that uh, Disney's gone to two new two um developers have and said okay build us a Star Wars game. I wouldn't be surprised if BioWare was one of them. I feel like I could be remembering wrong. In fact, I'll double check. But uh, I vaguely remember BioWare producing some old RPGs in the Star Wars universe. Hmm. Um, I do did see somewhere where there was actually mentioned some... Yes, here we go. It was Knights of the Old Republic. So I wouldn't be surprised if they made another single-player Star Wars game. I'm not sure who they would pick for a multiplayer game, though. Um, yeah, there, there was talk about a couple of companies. I can't find the article about that. But in relation to <clears throat> someone stuffing up with um, the Star Wars franchise. Do you remember who, uh, do, you, do you remember Visceral? Yes, I remember yes. Visceral. Yeah. Um yeah. Are they still around? I haven't seen nah, they- haven't seen anything from them since they stuffed up. Um yeah, it was They shut down a couple of months ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. supposed to be an uncharted esque adventure game, an original story set in the Star Wars world. But they stuffed up something bad and yeah, they're no longer around. So yeah, EA, Sayonara. Yeah. So which so they're saying here that um, Activision and Ubisoft. That was yep. There we go. I just found it myself. Activision, Ubisoft are the two proposed contenders to take over. Hmm. But you see, Activision going to Star Wars. eh, See, ah, it's this Call of Duty. It's, they're going to make it into a Call of Duty style game, and everybody knows Call of Duty. Yeah, but Disney's going to be more heavily involved in any future stuff at the moment because of the backlash and the damage this has done the Star Wars brand. They're going. It's they're going going to be more hands on and in your face to whoever takes over. So. I can't see it becoming exactly like Call of Duty. And Ubisoft, I could see it becoming doing a like uh, Assassin's Creed style game for Star Wars, but on a multiplayer scale, like maybe Assassin's Creed Brotherhood could be, but not on a shooter on, on a shooter level. Like, well, they could they could generate the open world the way they did with Assassin's Creed, 
and that would that would actually work really well. Yeah. Yeah, um, Remember, Ubisoft also does Far Cry. Oh yes, oh yes. So I could almost see a a game based around rebels fighting on a planet. Oh yeah. To capture all of the enemy bases on said planet. Yeah, I could, that's true. That's true. That's with true. with with a an Assassin's Creed platform style, even so, open world. Um, style with with the the Jedi's behaving like the the assassins out of Assassin's Creed. That would be cool. That could be interesting. Yeah, that would be a very cool game. So you you upgrade your lightsaber as you. Well, we would we wouldn't expect to see a Jedi pickpocketing, but maybe obtaining materials from off of the Empire. Oh, there was always always the Jedi mind tricks. Yeah. Um, maybe it, it, it has potential to be a lot of fun. Yeah. But that's a problem. So whether the loot boxes will come into play or not, that's going to be a, well, like I said. We, 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 I think this is looking at being the end of loot boxes because yeah. It, it, has been linked by so many different sources as being connected to gambling. Yeah. And gambling has so many restrictions placed on it in every way, shape, and form. Um, there's definitions available and by law for the US and Australia, Europe, everywhere. And, yeah, as soon as it starts being looked at in that regards, the classification on the game is going to be... Yeah, adults only, and Disney will just go. No, nah, we're not there. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah. And this will, and I, I you're right. The EA will just be kicking itself by this stage. But that's another that's another story for another day. But uh, let's move on. Let's move on to um to another war to another war story. Tom Hanks. Um, Tom Hanks with his new war with a new more movie coming out soon. Yes, um, I actually found this quite interesting. Tom Hanks is once again teaming up with Dale Dye for a new D-Day movie, um, apparently entitled No Better Place to Die. And it is commemorating the um, paratroopers and glider-borne infantry that preceded the surface assault. And it is being tied into the 75th anniversary. Of, yeah, um, apparently, yeah, looking at, um, I think it was 2019 as the release date. Yeah, June 2019 to connect to the 75th anniversary of D-Day. I, I, I like those war movies. and Tom Hanks and him involving in war movies were, are pretty good to watch, I think. Like the Pacific... Well, um, interesting you mentioned those two movies. Um, This is the combination that brought us Saving Private Ryan. And it's going to be in pretty much the same sort of style. So, yes, I am totally loving the idea. These are also the guys that um, 
were involved in um Forrest Gump. Well, yeah. Uh, also, um, the Thin Red Line, um, Band of Brothers, The Pacific, and Larry Crown. Like, it's it's brilliant. They, <laughs> so they've got a pedigree. They've they've got mm-hmm. a pedigree that you could almost label a gold mine. Yeah. The the quality is going to be there. It's true. It's yeah, true. I doubt this movie will fail. Nah, no, no, no. After done after Nolan's Dunkirk movie, war movies will and and I hopefully think war movies will make a brief comeback. Well, they've they've always been. Like if it's if it's done well, they always make money. And let's let's look purely at um, the the two main ones here for Tom Hanks and Dale Die. Saving Private Ryan and Band of Brothers. Like, honestly, can you can you name movies that have generated more talk and fan base than those two for a war movie? In recent memory, um, oh, I was thinking The Hurt Locker, but but even there, like, it, like The Hurt Locker was nowhere near. I, I'm. It, it's, it, the Hurt Locker was was an interesting movie, but it it's not on the same scale and the carnage as well. Well, not just the carnage, but the, just the quality and cinematic scope. Like that opening scene in when they're landing on the beach at Normandy, like they had thousands and thousands of people involved in that, and to this day, it's. One of the most epic scenes of any movie. Oh yeah, yeah. That's. I think uh, I re- I do remember one um medal. I think of honor. A certain medal of honor have copied that scene entirely. Um, medal of honor and Call of both follow similar stories, but the reality is it was actually based on the true stories of a numer- numerous people. So. Yeah. Um, the same as Band of Brothers. It was based on true story. Um, and this one here, I think, is focus, is, is based upon true accounts of actual people who were involved. On D-Day. So, well, no, well, this is prior to D-Day. These are the guys who went in early before all the landings and everything started happening and went behind the lines and started messing with stuff. So, like, when you look at um, Band of Brothers, they're landing behind enemy lines to disrupt and cause all the issues. That was that, that They were paratroopers. That's what this is about, is the paratroopers and the glider-borne infantry that went in and proceeded the surface assault. These, this is Band of Brother, Brothers-esque sort of area. Hmm. I'm just saying here, it's been called the bloody, it's been called the bloodiest fights, uh, infantry fights in modern history, and many experts have claimed the defense of La Fria Bridge for three crucial days in early June 1944 saved the Allied forces coming in by sea from annihilation. 
the paratroopers who held this vital river crossing were reinforced by glider-borne infantry, and Dai said that he will thoroughly explore this unique and often fatal method of getting soldiers into the fight. So, That'll be interesting. I don't think I've seen a glider infantry in any movie before. Oh, uh, there was an old, old. I remember there was an old war movie that had the. Oh no, that's parachute glider. I'm not sure. Uh, ben, uh, actually, no. Um, I break it here, but in um, Saving Private Ryan, they actually he when he when they were jumping in. Uh, oh, when he um, was looking around, they um, actually showed the jeep that was strapped into a um, glider that was too heavy. Um, so that was, there was some of the para- some of the troops in that were actually glider born and Band of Brothers. Um, it actually shows them they were actually in gliders for I think it was the assault in Sweden. And there's yeah, there are a number of other movies I could probably get you a list and I'll admit my sins, I haven't seen either of those. <laughs> I, I'll I'll admit that I'm a complete nerd and freak, so yeah, I have I've, I've a seen lot Band of, these. of Brothers. I've I've seen Private Ryan but not Band of Brothers. I own the box set. I own the box set. Anyways anyways, moving along. Um for uh, so Yes, we should uh, move on and wrap this up now. Yeah, so. yeah. I think this is going to be it for, for another week. Yeah, yep. but we'd uh, just like to make a note. In the last week, Gavin Free and his partner Meg Turney were attacked by a an intruder, broke into their house, and was apparently trying to kill Gavin. And we'd just like to. Send out our um, support like, and well wishes. Yeah, yeah. Just, well, hope, hopefully they're okay, and um, ho- hopefully they uh, move on from this episode and get back. To, uh, hopefully, pr- pr- um, give us some nice content. Yes, um, a little bit of advertising. Um, anyone in Brisbane that is interested in. An exciting night out. Um, we we actually have information here about Cluedo, the interactive game. Um, it is backed by popular demand. Cluedo, the interactive game, returns to Fortitude Valley's 1909 Heritage Gem Baydecker Wine Bar on Constant Street. Um, it's underscored by an authentic jazz band as guests enjoy delicious food and wine. And you're going to be living in amongst a performance of Cluedo trying to identify the murderer. Will it be you? That's on on Saturday, April 14th, tw- Saturday, April 21st, and Tuesday, April 24th, which is Anz- Day Eve, prices are $99, including dinner and a glass of sparkling on entry. Ooh, sparkling. Tickets tickets available online at cludo.eventbrite.com.au. Um, yeah, I can guarantee you will have bucket loads of fun. 
Oh, that Cluedo. That's a that, that's a fun game. I I've never played that in a while. Uh, oh, you, I need to get back into. If you if you go along and watch this immersive performance ensemble, I can guarantee you, you will be absolutely roaring with laughter. <laughs> Have you seen it before, Bucky? Um, I've seen some of the bits and pieces, but I know um, a couple of the people involved. Um, a good friend of this show, um, Mr. Zane, is... And anyone who has ever met the man knows he doesn't do things by halves. <laughs> um, I'm actually looking at going to this one. I wanted to go to the last time it was on, but unfortunately tickets were sold out. Ooh. So $100 to go and have a great dinner and a fantastic night of brilliant entertainment. Okay. Anyway, that's all for that this week. Thanks for listening. Check us out on Facebook. Leave us a message if you want to. If you have anything you'd like us to discuss yeah. or any games or events you'd like us to know about, you just leave us a message on our Facebook page. We'll see you next week. Take care and so long. Farewell. And amen. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.